0: We go today to the book of Job, chapter 42. I will begin reading with verse number 7. Thank you all for being the house of the Lord this morning, on this beautiful Sunday morning, to worship the Lord together. Bible says, that it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, The Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. For ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams and go to my servant Job. And offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept lest I deal with you after your folly in that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. So Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuite and Zophar the Mimethite, went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. Watch verse number 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. If I could use a little pulpit liberty this morning, I would say it like this. And the Lord turned the page in Job's life. I want to preach this morning the power of a turned page. The power of a turned page. Lord bless you as you're seated today. The presence of the Lord. Consider with me, if you will, how often we overlook the small things in our everyday life. Our human nature is more inclined to focus on big things and their ability. We have machinery at our disposal today that can literally blast its way through mountains and carve roads. What has been there for centuries, in just a few moments, because of what man put together, that mountain can be displaced and it can be destroyed. What was once often a fairy tale of man sitting and stepping on the moon is now a proven reality. As man, several times over, has made its way to the moon. We can build skyscrapers, we can navigate waters with satellite instruments going to the bottom of the sea. We can exhaust ourselves talking about the monumental moments and the grandiose ideas that have been brought to fruition because of man's ingenuity in man's hands. However, I ask you today to stop and to ponder whether or not any of the aforementioned advances in society would have been possible or come to fruition had it not been for something as small as a pen. For it was a writing utensil that put the wheels in motion for everything that I first spoke. Though they progressed along the way, the essence remains the fact of its list of accomplishments far supersede any inventor or discoverer. With just a few strokes of a pen, independence was gained. With the stroke of a pen, marriages were united and marriages were destroyed. Some of the greatest sermons started with a pen. Futures were sealed and judges' signatures had sent men to death. And even to jail with just a pen. Far be it from me to attempt to place value on an object that has so small significance. Yet, is it any wonder that at all something so valuable is handed for free and even clutters people's drawers today? A pen. Perhaps no one understands the ability of a pen. As much as an author. The author understands that that pen. And the power of that pen. Rests solely in the hand. Of that person that's holding it. You see the author chooses carefully how long a sentence should be. Where each comma and each exclamation point must be. The author writes the ebb and the flow of that story. He knows when the villain will bring the insurmountable opposition. He knows how long the adversity will last. And he knows when the hero will ride off into the sunset. He understands that everything begins with the pen. You see, the author understands that I can write and I can write. And this page, I can feel with affliction. And I can feel this page with adversity. And I can feel this page with insurmountable odds. But you know what else the author knows? The author understands that I can still turn the page. No matter how bad this page is, no matter how insurmountable the Read collectively, you gain greater insight into what the author was trying to accomplish. When you look from beginning to end, the story makes sense. But you got to remember that your life unfolds like a page, like a chapter in the whole book of your life. And you don't know the end of your story. You don't know what your next chapter holds. You're just Reading the page That you're on And sometimes That page will look like It will never change Sometimes that page looks like You're stuck in a chapter And you're wanting so bad To get out Understand if anybody Knew how bad a chapter could get It was Job Job Bible says was perfect He was upright he feared God and he eschewed evil. We could gather from what we read that Job had in, had affluence. He had abundance. And we think that that's what it means to be blessed. But God knew he was going to do something in Job that would touch his physical body. It would touch his physical possessions. But he would, Job would see God in a manner that he had never seen Him before. We've got to get over this mindset that the favor of God is bound to what we see. Because that's not accurate. The favor of God reaches beyond the physical. It reaches beyond your bank account. And it goes into the deepest parts of your spirit. Because you can have nothing on the outside. But have everything on the inside. That's what matters the most. We view the absence of problems as the, as, as the blessings of God, and that's not the case. The author was writing something that Job didn't understand. Job lost his family, lost his possessions, lost his servants. It was the worst chapter that Job had had to live through, but it wasn't the entire book. Job's humanity is displayed throughout the remaining chapters. You read Job's three friends and how they tried to comfort him, but rather they discouraged him. And it's a typical display of the same struggle that happens in your own life. Though you may not verbalize it to other people, you still think some of the same things that Job thought. It comforts me to read the book of Job because it lets me realize that he was human just like I am. To make sense of what was going on Try as he might He grew frustrated And more and more frustrated This is what he said In verse 3 of chapter 23 Oh that I knew Where I might find him That I might come ever to his seat In other words If I only knew where God was I'd show up and I'd tell him How much I don't like this if I if I knew where God was this past six weeks, I sure enough would tell him how His everything is, is going to pot, how everything is getting worse. We can relate to Job. Yet he remains stuck in his story that didn't make sense. He remains stuck in a chapter that he didn't like. Yet when the author gets done speaking to Job, this is what Job's reply is. I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholding from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me which I knew not. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. Now my eye hath seen thee. Then comes the moment that changed Job's life. Just a few verses later, it says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Job, this chapter that you've been reading, this page that you've been stuck on, you got to understand that everything is just a test. And the teacher is always silent during the test. But weeping may endure for a night, Job. But just as sure as the sun rose your God's going to turn the page I've come to preach to Wallace Rich. You may not have liked the last six weeks You may not like liked the chapter that you're in Or the story that you're reading woke up in the morning. uh, That means God's still writing another sentence in your life. Uh, God's still writing another chapter in your life. God knows when you've had enough. God knows how much you can handle. God knows exactly what you need. This is the conclusion that Job came to. He said, even though I don't know where he's at, even though I can't understand what he's doing, he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I'm going to come forth as pure gold. I want you to understand something while it's rich. When this thing, this quarantine is over, you may not understand it, but you're going to be better and closer to God at the end of it than you were at the beginning So whether the God sent it, Oh, the devil said it. Let me tell you what's going to happen. God's going to get the glory out of everything. God's going to get the glory out of your life.
1: God's going to draw you closer
0: to him throughout this whole ordeal. This is what Habakkuk 3.17 says. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olives shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the field. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. That sounds like a pretty grim story. That sounds like everything's bad. That sounds like it's hopeless. But this is what he says right after that verse. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. In other words let it get as bad as it's going to get. It's still not going to stop me from giving God glory. It's still not going to stop me from praising. I wish I just had a It's a choice because what I give to God should not be dictated by what life gives to me. What I give in return to God who is perfect and has never failed, it should not be flawed nor tainted nor filtered by my emotions, my lack of understanding, or anything that I go through on this earth. It doesn't matter what happens. It has no bearing on the purity of God. And how wonderful and how worthy God is. Amen. Trust, I remind you, and understanding are two different things. You will not find in this book any request by God for us to trust or for us to understand Him. Because God knows that that's impossible. But you will find times where the Word says, trust Him. Trust Him. Trust and understanding are different things. This is what the Bible says in Isaiah 26 and 3. That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted in thee. Let me tell you, when you start having an absence of trust, the thing that you'll find is you'll also have the absence of peace. Because trust and peace are linked together. When trust starts shrinking, peace starts shrinking. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. People who start fearing and start worrying, they have an absence of peace. It's because they have an absence of trust in God. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane And you find a beautiful portrait of the man Christ Jesus speaking to the God Christ Jesus. Because the man said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. In other words, this is the man Christ Jesus saying, God, if there's any other way to accomplish your will. Without me going to the cross. Let's take that route. That's the man Christ Jesus. That's the flesh of God speaking. Because he was fully God and fully man. Just like when you go to prayer and you got the Holy Ghost. Yet your flesh says, God, is there any other way to work this out? Is there any other way we can do the same thing in the Garden of Gethsemane? But then he said, you know what? Nevertheless, not my will but your will be done. He didn't understand. He did, it, it didn't make sense what he was having to go through. And I'm speaking to people just like me. I've been praying and it, it doesn't make sense everything that's happening. And I'm not gonna be the one to try to get up here and make sense of it for you because I can't. When you get to the place in life, when the page you're reading doesn't make sense, the only thing you hold on to is the fact that the page will turn one day. That that story you're reading will have a different outcome. And so here's how Jesus could get to Calvary. He says in Hebrews 12 and 2 who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. This is what this is this is, Let me just explain how I how I read it. God knew the end from the beginning. He's the only one that's ever known that. And so while he's in the garden of Gethsemane, and he's sitting there praying, trying to figure out how he can escape everything that he's fixing to have to go through, the Spirit of God peeks over into the next chapter. The Spirit of God looks over to several chapters later to 2,000 years later a parking lot service. On May the 3rd. The joy that was set before him. The reason he could go to Calvary. Is because the author knew what the next chapter held. The author knew that there was going to be joy on the other side of Calvary. That there was going to be Pentecost on the other side of Calvary. That there was going to be a church in Wallace Ridge. And you know what? When he went down to hell for three days. What he did is. Satan never saw it. He turned the page. And he rose from the grave. My friend, I'm preaching to you. There's power in a turned page. If you don't like what you're reading, hold on. Because the author's fixing to give you a brand new setting. He's fixing to give you a brand new story. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, musicians. The joy that was set before God knew as bad as Calvary was, that page was going to turn and it was going to lead to Pentecost. And everything that you're facing right now, I don't know all, I, I know some needs, I don't know all the needs, only God does. You may not like the story you're in. You may not like your financial situation. You may not like the story of your health that you're reading. But just as sure as the sun rose this morning, your page is going to turn. And you got to remember What makes your testimony so valuable is not the mountain you stand on, it's the valley you live through. We want the mountain so bad. We want the time of peace and prosperity so bad. But that's not where the value comes in your life. The value comes when you can tell somebody, you know what, I had a son that had cancer. And we walk through that valley as a church and as a family lifting up Brother Dustin and Sister Linda. And we can stand on the mountaintop this morning looking back and say, God, turned the page in Brother Dustin's life. And we give God all the glory and the praise and the honor. And God's going to do the same thing in your life. I want you right now, if, you're, if you can stand, stand. If you're in your vehicle, I want you to lift your hands to heaven. You got. We're going to start praising God, not for where we're at, but for where he's bringing us. We're going to look at the next page that he's going to turn. We're going to look at the revival God's sending. Let's lift our hands right now and begin to thank God for what he's doing in Catahoula Parish. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. I may not understand it, but I give you glory for it. Come on, sing it to the Lord right now. I give you praise for there's power in a turn page. There's power in a turn page. I speak love. I speak joy. I speak trust. God, we trust you in the midst of uncertainty. We trust you and we don't understand. I'm going to praise you for it. God, I'm going to worship
1: you anyhow. I'm going to worship you anyhow, Jesus. I'm giving it to you, God.